Welcome back, listeners. Welcome back to another episode. Uh, this is part two of Training Matters. So we, in part one, I just I discussed the importance of credibility, validation, and reliability in training. So now I'm going to cover when managers undermine undermine trainers doing classes. Uh, doing any kind of training, especially in the workplace, because that happens a lot. And people, a lot of people don't have a platform to talk about it. So but you can talk about it here on my podcast and get, you know, insight on how you feel about that. You know, that is that is that the right thing to do to undermine your, your trainers? Because you're training someone to replace you, you're training someone to take, you know, take your uh, your spot so you can move on to bigger and better things. So, But when you move on. You're going to get trained or that person's going to get trained uh, by someone else. And just because you did that and you undermine your trainer or your trainees, I'm sorry, you undermine your trainees who you're training shouldn't be, you know, what you have to go through. So we're going to deep. You're going to uh, take a deep dive into it and uh, have some do's and don'ts. And uh, pretty much when you're undermining a trainer that you're training. There's a lot of don'ts. So we're going to cover all the don'ts and what happens. What happens when you undermine? So let's get right into it. Okay, so when managers undermine trainers during classes, workplace, or school, or whatever it is they're training, it can create several issues and challenges within the training environment. Here are some of the problems that can arise. Number one, credibility. When credibility is lost, there's no way you can get it back. Trainers need to establish credibility and authority in a classroom, work environment, or school to effectively deliver the training content. When managers undermine trainers, professors undermine students, or whatever the case may be, it can erode the credibility and the authority making it difficult for them to maintain control of the classroom, the workplace, or the school hall to gain a respect of the trainees. Confusion and mixed messages. Managers may have different perspectives, priorities, and expectations than the trainers. So forth with uh, uh, professors, teachers, when you send mixed messages, it's kind of hard to uh, to have expectations because your trainer, student, or whoever may not get the message uh, completely. So they interpret it in their own way, especially when they're not understanding. So they're expecting that, you know, okay, well, they're saying this, but do I do this this way? Or they're saying this, so let me... Uh, break it down so I can better understand it in the best way they know how. And that's where the mixed meshes and the confusion comes to play. If they undermine trainers by contradicting or challenging the information being presented, it can create confusion among trainees, students, or employees. Mixed messages can undermine, <coughs> excuse me, mixed messages can undermine the consistency and effectiveness of the training leading to lack of clarity and understanding. And that's a hard thing, especially when you're in school, uh, going after a degree, going after some kind of, uh, you know, something that will help you in the long run. 
or even in the workplace, you know, or if, you know, if you're training someone, you know, it, 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 it undermines the consistency of what you're trying to do, and where that person is trying to go, and it can throw them off track. So please, so please try to do, uh, try to be more clear and uh, stay away from confusion and mixed messages. The third one, number three, disruption of learning environment. When trainers are undermined by managers, it can disrupt the learning environment and create a sense of unease and tension or tension. Trainees may become unsure about whom to trust and which information to follow, leading to less conducive environment for learning and engagement. So a disruptive learning environment pretty much it 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 can cause a whole lot, you know, definitely tension, especially between the trainee and the trainer. So um, try to have a learning environment where it's, you know, on one playing field. It's not too confu- it's not uh, too confusing for the person to learn the information and also to uh, to receive it. And the best way to do that is have a fun environment, like have one playing field, you know, keep it the same, you know, kind of like, you know, kind of make it interesting, but don't change it up, you know, because that's a, that's a whole different kind of kind of thing. And it couldn't be disruptive for a person to learn. Number four, decreased training engagement. Decreased training engagement. If trainers. <clears throat> are con- continuously undermined or interrupted by managers. Trainees may become disengaged or less interested in training. The lack of support from the managers can de- demotivate trainees and reduce their willingness to actively participate or take the training seriously. So <clears throat> never decrease it. Always keep it challenging. Always keep your trainees thinking about you know, how they can better themselves. And also, as long as the trainer, uh, it helps the trainer as well better themselves as giving off more information, making the class interesting or whatever training environment. You know, it makes it, you know, um, more fun to be involved and more and engaging. Always be willing to have your trainees to engage in the training you put out. Just don't be there giving out information, just teaching them and training them and don't have them properly engage in your training. That's what makes it more interesting. And also get the train's attention. Number five. Reduce trainer confidence. Undermining trainers can significantly impact their confidence and job satisfaction. If the trainers consistently face challenges or lack support from managers, they may feel undervalued or demoralized. This can affect their motivation, passion, and effectiveness in delivering the training content. Never, ever, people, listeners, if you're listening out there, those trainers, those teachers, educators, those facilitators, never, ever reduce your trainer's confidence. Always let allow them to be confident about what it is that they want to do, they want to learn. Now, if they have, a, have trouble understanding or they have trouble you know, getting the material, then change it up a little bit. And I know some people call it dumbfounded. No, never, never say dumbfounded or nothing like that. Just challenge them more. 
Give them something to think about. Ask rhetorical questions. You know, get them to start thinking. Number six, ineffective training outcomes. Ultimately, undermining trainers can hinder the achievement of the training goals and desired outcomes. The lack of alignment and support between managers and trainers can result in an effective transfer of knowledge and skills to the trainers. This can impact the quality of training and limit its overall impact on individual and organizational performance. Effective training outcomes, okay. That is most that is so important. Because as an organization, you want to promote that. You want people to come into a training. You want people to go, oh yeah, you know what? That was good training. You know, you should go here. You should do this. You should go to this this class at this, you know, at this university or this class at this, at this, uh, you know, at this, at this venue or whatever, whatever training where it's conducted, you always want to have, have it so that the people are intrigued and, you know, they'll say, well, the organization performance as a whole was great. If they hear that and they know, okay, then the trainers and the trainees will value something out of it. So always have, Always stay away from the ineffective training outcomes. The ineffective. Always look forward to the effective training outcomes. To address these issues, it is important that managers and trainers have established an open line of communication, mutual respect, and clear expectations. Collaborations. Always have collaborations with your trainees. At all times, you know, get their thoughts. You know, they're they're there to hear what you have to say, but also get their perspective because you can use that in your next training session, or you can use that to uh, collaborate more with your students. Collaboration and support between managers and trainers can create a positive training environment where trainers are empowered to deliver effective training, and managers provide the necessary support of their success. So, listeners, I'm gonna take a brief 15 minute break and I'll get right back to it. But as you're listening, please follow along and understand uh, if you need to take notes, please take notes. But please listen. So this is a difference between a good organization and a bad one, an effective trainer and an ineffective trainer. This would be the best facilitator from the worst facilitator. So all these uh, these things that I pointed out, you know, you can listen to take notes. It's free information. Like I said, I'll be back in 15 minutes. Thank you. Welcome back. Welcome back, podcast listeners. This is your host, Marcel Johnson, on uh, part two of Training Matters. Uh, He was going over the don'ts of, you know, training uh, trainers and trainees. Okay, so let's continue. When one of the students is given help to pass a standardized test while others are not, several consequences can arise, which can be unfair and undermine the integrity of the testing process. Here are some potential outcomes. Number one, an equity and unfair advantage. Providing assistance to one soldier creates an equitably situation where some students receive an unfair advantage over others. This undermines the principles of fairness and equal opportunity in testing as it creates an uneven playing field. 
So never ever, sorry, never. I'm, not, I'm sorry, sorry. <laughs> never ever train listeners. I'm sorry. I'm thinking military. I always say sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, never ever trainees or uh, trainers that's listening. If this has happened to you, um, never ever create, you know, um, inequability, inequality, inequitable, inequitability situation. Where some suitors are receiving unfair uh, advantages over others, so I mean that's considered, you know, um, it's like a tit for tat type thing, you know, you know that that's what it leads to. Normally, when you're un- using unfair advantages or treating one soldier, or, not one soldier, I'm sorry, I'm still thinking military, when you're treating one uh, student better than the others, or you're doing, um, uh, what is it, unfair advantages? Over others, that's an integrity check right there. You know, that checks your integrity. Is that the type of person that you want to want people to perceive you as, especially someone you're training and they're supposed to be taking no um, advice from you? They're supposed to be listening to you and understanding the things that you're trying to teach them. So, you know, try to stay away from inequity and unfair advantages. Number two, diminishing validation and reliability. Just like we talked about in part one. Training matters. Here's another uh, key point. Standardized tests are designed to provide a standardized and objective measure of knowledge and skills. When some students receive or trainees receive help, it compromises the, the validation and the reliability of the test results. The scores may no longer accurately reflect the individual ability or knowledge of the students, making the test outcomes less meaningful. Yes, this is very important. So it diminishes the validation and the reliability of not only the the reflection of the individual, but it also is the reflection of the the trainer, the teacher, the facilitator. You know, they they won't get nothing out of it because they know, okay, this person is helping me. This person is giving me, you know, the knowledge. They're giving me the insight of what's going on for the test or any kind of training. Um, any kind of training aid. So that also questions another, you know, integrity aspect right there because, you know, that tests the person that's teaching, the facilitator, and also take tests the student or the trainee. You know, it's not meaningful. They didn't learn anything out of it. They didn't get nothing out of it. And it's, it's not like, it's not challenging. You know, the more challenging, the harder it is, the better the outcome you'll get you know, from your students. Number three, erosion of confidence. Other students who are aware of a preferential treatment or suspect it may become disillusioned with the testing process and lose confidence in its fairness. This can lead to decreased motivation, decreased engagement, also most important, decreased trust in the educational system. Always erosion of confidence. That's another big thing of students. You know, you got to have, they like, you got to build up their confidence. And if you erode their confidence, then it's, it's a lack of trust. You know, they, they, they're not motivated no more, you know, and being a facilitator, you know, and an academy, I'm not saying where, but that's one thing we never do. We never erode the confidence. We always give the students, you know, confidence to, you know, to 
express themselves, to listen, to be, uh, to engage, because you can learn so much. And that not only made it motivate the student, but it motivates you to, uh, to teach and facilitate the information and also motivates the students to learn more. Number four, skewed data and misrepresentation. Um, uh, misrepresentation. Test results are often used for various purposes, such as evaluating schools, assessing education policies, or making informed decisions. When some students receive assistance, it can skew the data and misrepresent the actual performance and proficiency levels of the student's population. This can lead to inaccurate conclusions and misguided actions based on flawed data. So, skewed data and misrepresentation, that also can uh, be a major factor and also it can um, become um, questionable on credibility as well and questionable on uh, on integrity and uh, it can lead to inaccurate conclusion and misguided actions based on flawed data so pretty much that's like <clears throat> um, pretty much is like if you're putting out uh, how can I say this um, it's not letting you actually make informed decisions that will help the student or make you a better facilitator so it's not going to be, you know, the best outcome when uh, students or trainees are asked for feedback about this person, this specific teacher, this educator, facilitator, whatever you want to call yourself. And it kind of like, you know, um, lowers the actual performance and proficiency levels of the student population. Because the students were like, well, you know what? I didn't learn anything from him. I didn't get nothing out of here. Or, hey, don't don't uh, go to this class. Or don't take this uh, this learning session with this professor or facilitator because, you know, it's it's not it's not beneficial. You know, and skewed data. If you don't know what you're talking about, or you're not giving facts, or it's not something that that person can latch on and understand, then it definitely uh, cause. Um, conflict between the trainer and the trainee. So make sure you get your data and facts straight. So number five, last but not least, undermine ed educational goals. Standardized tests are intended to assess students' knowledge, skills, and readiness for <clears throat> further education or employment. When helped, <clears throat> when helped, it provides when help is when help is provided to pass the test, it undermines the purpose of the assessment as it no longer provides an accurate reflection of students' abilities. This can hinder the identification of errors and requirement improvement and impede impede efforts to provide appropriate educational support. So when you're helping pass students or pass helping trainees, you know, and, and 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 them not taking the initiative to learn it, understand it, and accept whatever consequences come with it. When you help passing someone like that, you know, there is not 
It's not helping them improve. It's not giving them improvement. It's not giving them any kind of a justification that they are getting better. And in order to be a great person, you always should be willing to learn to get better, to be better, to improve. So you have to learn. You're going to accept flaws. You're going to accept failure. But help, that does not do anything but um, what it does. It, uh, it, pro- it basically undermines the purpose of the assessment. It undermines the, the action. You know, the action of uh, will that facilitator, I mean, I'm sorry, will that trainee or tra- will that trainee um, be able to learn their own, be able to pick up what you're, you know, pick up what you're putting down? Will they be able to understand what it takes to to learn, to, to, to retain the information? And also. <clears throat> remember, the standardized test is. The intent is only to assess the student's knowledge, skills, and readiness. It not it's not determined not determine how smart you are, or you know, um, it's not to put you in any kind of category. You know what I'm saying? It's something to to just assess you, not to determine who you can be and what you can become. It's just assess where you are right now and how you know how you can get that help. So in closing, it is important to maintain the integrity of standardized tests by ensuring fair and equitable conditions for all students. Schools and educational authorities should promote ed- should promote ethical conduct, discourage discourage cheating and preferential treatment always, and emphasize the importance of individual effort, integrity, and genuine assess of knowledge and skills. So this is my time, listeners. I'm glad this, I hope this information, I'm glad you were able to tune in and listen. And I hope this information reached you well. Like I said, uh, you can reach me on um, BuzzFeed, I mean, Buzz, well, you can reach me on my podcast on uh, Buzzsprout, I'm sorry, Buzzsprout. Um, and listen and get more information. Uh, like I said, this is my first time actually doing something like this, so I would enjoy the feedback. But I, I will be putting out a lot of content and information on here um, that people could use. Um, my platform is open forum, so I would like feedback if possible. Uh, once again, my name is Marcel Johnson, and thank you for listening to my podcast. Be blessed. <laughs>